Whatever. Uh, <laughs> you got one. Go. Hello and welcome to The Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that can't be bothered to come up with a joke this week. I'm Max. And I'm JR. How's it going? Um, it is... I'm gonna go with fine. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, even though one of the writers I, I really enjoy uh, at Defector has now told a story on their podcast twice of that's the same story of how he was trying to get his editor or he was bouncing an idea off of one of the editors of writing a story about how or writing a post blog post about how he was how he hates the word fine and his editor was like yeah but like what do you replace it with what do you what do you want and he's like i don't know just i'm just mad and he's like okay i don't think there's anything there but uh go off if you want so drew got saved by his editor yet again <laughs> um and uh i fine to me is uh if used correctly like when we were talking about malignant on um uh twitter twitter that movie to me is fine it's it it's, is it is fine it's, it's a fine movie i think but, I, but that's what my, i mean is it like i don't watch a lot of horror because i am a I am a wuss and I don't like scary things and probably the anxiety had something to do with that too. Um, I get too wrapped up in what's going on and like I can't divorce myself at all from the situation so my brain just goes into overload and I shut down. Um, And Malignant looked like one of those movies that kind of knew what it was and didn't really feel like it was all that horry, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go ahead and give this a try. If I can last the first hour, we'll get to whatever the twist is, and I'll be fine the rest of it. And, uh, I got through the first hour thinking, you know, this is okay, it's a little spooky, but nothing terrible's going on. And, uh, then we got to about 45 minutes in, and it's, I probably should have twigged on it earlier, but I was like, Oh, oh, okay, yeah. right? And yeah. so, like, once I realized what was coming, and then it came, I was like, I will be, at that point, it was like, okay, whatever it is, when they show it, it, I will be interested to see how they execute it. That part was neat, I guess. Um, I hadn't seen that before. But then again, like, it, it just sort of became an action movie from then on. And I was like, well, all right. You know, my my fundamental problem... Here's the thing. Malignant is fine. The problem that I had going into it was... I had people, like... And not just horror fans, but, like, people who are, like, serious movie people. Talking about Malignant the same way they talk about, like, Hereditary. And it is... Not that. And so I was going into it expecting horror, but really good. Yeah. And it is not that. It is just horror. At all. Um, I saw a lot of those, like, critic things fly by, and I was just like, that seems like a bit much. I'm going to have you chill. Um, And then, but I didn't actually talk to anybody else about it. I was just like, we're so internet word of mouth and uh i 
So I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I think I can handle this. And then I was like, this is... People are raving about this? This is okay. Yeah. That was that was basically my issue. I, you know, here's here's the thing. I am not a smart man. I I I don't claim to be. I like the sound of my own voice and I have opinions, but I don't claim to be a wildly intelligent person. And I saw every fucking thing in that movie coming. Mm. Like from the and I don't know if that was the point, but like I, you know, if it was, then it's just like, get to it already. Yeah. Like, if you're, if you're making it, like, like, offensively obvious, <laughs> don't spend all this time building up to the reveal. Just get to the reveal. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. if you're going, if you're going to insult my intelligence, don't spend the whole movie doing it. Well, yeah. And like. I don't know, maybe you're onto something there where it's like the the obviousness was part of the point and I'm missing the rest of the point. Yeah. Like okay, so you're deconstructing horror to what are these horror tropes to what end then? Is yeah. the part that I'm like I don't I don't I don't see what you're trying to teach me about the medium or the audience. Um, right. So you know, and like maybe, maybe it's a love letter to Giallo filmmaking, and yeah, I don't give a shit. Like I went in expecting a good horror movie, and I got an okay horror movie. Yeah, and that's fine. But I'm not a horror fan, so like I don't give a shit, and <laughs> I don't. And so that's what it really came down to for me. I was like. I saw all these people who were not just talking about it as a good horror movie, but as a good movie. And I'm just like, so is this a joke I'm not in on? Like, <laughs> what? How did you? But whatever. Yeah. This is not the point of this show. <laughs> no, uh, no. We were talking about fine and how we are both it. How are you? There's a lot. Go there's a lot going on. Uh, tomorrow is my daughter's birthday party. So we have, we've got a lot that we're doing to try and, you know, the thing about it is, uh, you realize, you realize how dysfunctional your home is, uh, when you're about to have company and you're like, oh, we have to pretend like we know what we're doing. Um, and that's kind of this. It's just like. Oh, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> list of shit to do. Um, I don't know. I it's Has the bad. dishwasher always been on fire? Uh, <laughs> yes. Shit, we should have taken care of that. <laughs> that's not a fire. That's the Aurora Borealis. Um, anyway. <laughs> Is yeah. there a color coming from the closet? Just a... <laughs> Just a color. I can't really describe it. <laughs> do, do do we think we need to deal with that, or is somebody, do you think anybody will notice? Um, it hurts my eyes and my soul. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's something we should deal with. <laughs> oh, fuck me. It is warm. Also, both uh, of the cats are now one cat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh. So yeah. Anyway. Let's get into news, I guess. Okay. Um, 
I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. go for it. Go for it. So, Inker Jeffrey Hewitt uh, died this past week uh, after contracting COVID. I don't know if it was COVID itself or complications therefrom, but he had COVID and then he died. Um, he had worked on a number of books, Fantastic Four, uh, Iron Man. He did Animal Man over at DC. Uh, the bi- the big one was Planet Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the inker for um, stuff like that. So uh, his friend and collaborator, Carlo Pagulian, uh, has details over on his Facebook page about donations for the family. So uh, if you have a few bucks, chip in for that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a tragedy. I yeah. This this whole fucking pandemic has just been yeah. I we don't need to go into but yeah, it's it's sad. Um yeah. Anyway. Uh in other news, <clears throat> the Black Widow suit between Scarlett Johansson and Disney has been settled for an undisclosed sum. Um, Good for her. Yeah. Uh, It is pathetic that Disney constantly has to be forced to pay their artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, like, it shouldn't... You're You're the biggest fucking company on the planet. Like... You, you have the money. Yeah. Just pay the motherfuckers. It's not gonna... It, mm, this, this shit where companies' highest goal is keeping the stockholders happy mm-hmm. and nothing else mm-hmm. is, is awful. It's awful for consumers. It's awful for creators. It's it's killing us all by inches and it really has to stop but i don't know break up disney fuck them like it's it's really funny to do a to do a show where we're constantly talking about stuff owned by disney and then just be like but seriously fuck disney but that it, you know Two things can be true at once. Yes. I enjoy reading this stuff and talking about it, but also, at all times, included in that is an asterisk that says, but fuck Disney. Yeah. So, yeah, just assume that whatever I say at any given time includes the caveat, but no, seriously, fuck Disney. Anyway, so yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Um, I thought I had more, but I really don't. As far as, um, I know that I read some interesting things about, um, what the implications of this mean. I was just thinking about how if they settled 
if if they if she settled out of court then does that mean that there isn't going to be precedent for the other the other possible suits out there um i believe so okay because generally speaking i think i think you cannot claim precedent based on out of court settlements it has yeah. it has to actually be something well, that took place yeah in court um yeah. so like the alex jones thing that just happened sets a precedent so somebody who sues a a right wing figure or a left wing figure or whoever for deliberately spreading misinformation can now point to the Alex Jones situation and say, but look, and yeah, so on. But I don't think, like, I know Disney worked out the stuff with Emma Stone as well because they're offering her a sequel uh, to Cruella. But, you know, with her, with her if she had taken it to court she would not then be able to point to scarlett johansson yeah so you know it's it's really sad like things got a little ugly there uh Uh disney was uh trying to paint scarlett johansson as being greedy um and there's nothing wrong with a knowing your worth and yeah. making sure you are paid accordingly. Yeah. That's good. That is that is what everyone should be doing. Um but more to the point, if the contract said or if there was a promise of a theater only release and Disney then changed its mind, that's fine. It was a good call, yeah. given the circumstances of the pandemic, um, for them to go ahead and release it on Disney Plus and in theaters. There's no issue with that. The issue is, if there was a promise of a theater-only release, and they then went back on that, she is then owed something. Yeah. Because the promise of a theater-only release carries with it... Yeah. You know, if she's getting points on, you know, in box office income, then she's taking a hit there. Yeah. And it is on Disney to make up the difference somehow. Um, And they clearly had every opportunity to do so beforehand. Like, there's definitely documents pointing to that. mm -hmm. (coughs) That her... Her lawyers and accountants and whatever, her team had reached out to Disney several times to say, hey, how are you going to make this right then after they announced it would go to Disney Plus also and nobody ever got back to her or her team and that's stupid. Like, that's just stupid. (laughs) Like, all they had to do was something beforehand and I mean, the right answer was make it right. Just renegotiate whatever it is you needed to do um, mm-hmm. to get it to get her on board. 
and instead you decided to piss her off? Like, that's the thing. Like, if you... If they had just been like, okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, we have you on this one. Let's renegotiate and get, get in a room. And then they did that. They probably would have ended up spending less money. <laughs> well, yeah. They they're now have it. They went to court. Mm-hmm. Like they were in a courtroom, which means there are legal fees incurred in all of this. Yep. And it is. Um. Yeah, like they they. I mean, either that or it was just a colossal miscommunication. Fuck up. And like somebody said, they were gonna get a hold of her, and then was hit by a bus or something you don't go to court over a a miscommunication like i if they it seems like intentionally not getting back to her though is just so stupid it is i i think it's interesting like hollywood bookkeeping is fucked up and it is amazing to me that like they (laughs) were They were willing to go to court over this, but they got into court and they're just like, uh, if we, if we see this through, then the accounting involved in all of this may become a part of the public record. And that's not good. Um, because it's an open secret that studios fuck people on residuals and things like that by saying such and such movie was made at a loss, even though, like, you know, I think Ed Solomon has talked about it in connection to Men in Black and how, uh, despite having made four Men in Black movies, the studio keeps trying to tell him that the original Men in Black movie that he wrote did not make a profit. And it's like, well, if it didn't make a profit, why did you make four of them? Yeah. So... Yeah, it's, you know, it goes from an open secret to a matter of public record, and there is nothing Hollywood hates more than the thought of that. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. (coughs) Huh? Comics? Sure. All right. Much as it pains me. Uh, You know, it's it's really frustrating how... I used to, I liked Defenders for a while. I really did. And now I dread it. And I've always really liked Thor since we started reading it. Mm-hmm. Like, it it won me over. Yeah. Uh, and lately I've been kind of dreading reading it because we're doing all this celestial bullshit. Uh-huh. So, you know. Thor has been very, okay... Alright, yeah. we're gonna do a lot of Eternals weirdness, and it's not gonna mm-hmm. be the fun weirdness. And Defenders was just like... There was like, fun weirdness? There was fun celestial weirdness, uh, or Eternals <laughs> weirdness. Um, <laughs> Thena kicking ass that one time. That was fun. Yeah, that uh, was a bright spot in a, you know, <laughs> in a whatever. dark, dark day. Um, but... And then Defenders, yeah, anytime it's like, now we're in Tunnel World. Do we have to be? I'd rather be back in Earth with Hellcat and everybody else. Oh, this story sucks too? Fuck! (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, it's been it's been rough. It's uh, been really fucking rough. Like we're in you know of, it's you know it's rough when Marvel two and one you go, well maybe this'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> the Yeah, it's been and I mean we're fr- sort of front loading our feelings on all of this, but it's I don't know what it is. Like there were individual parts to a lot of this that I like, but when it's just like for one thing hellcat annoys the crap out of me i would be on board were it not for like she is a lot the way she taught the way she taught and i understand why i understand why patsy walker talks the way she does but holy fuck um and i like valkyrie uh and you know stuff like so that. That's the but, thing, though, is like I like Val and I like I like Hellcat for the most part. You're right; the way she talks can be annoying, but overall, I think she's fun. Um, I like that it it started out looking like, but didn't end up that we were going to get Clea involved too, and she was like, "I'm bored and leaving with them." Bye, and uh, she then leaves with them and immediately has to call steven again we'll get to that i guess uh but then so there's nothing there and it it just it was it was like okay cool nope nope okay nothing happening here yeah um so anyway all right defenders number 80 has a cover by rich buckler joe rubenstein and george russo's written by ed hannigan penciled by Er herb trimpey uh, inked by Dan Green, colored by Carl Gafford, and lettered by John Costanza, and is edited by Al Milgram and Mary Jo Duffy. Uh, Nighthawk rushes to the Defender's aid with his new costume, which has night vision for some reason, uh, but Mandrill escapes. Yellow Jacket is freed, and Valkyrie hunts da- vows to hunt down mandrel and bring him to justice meanwhile in tunnel world the original defenders are attacked by etidian's forces i don't know how to say some of the shit in this uh, tunnel world etidian etidian i don't know yeah titty guy titty i'm guy. gonna call him titty guy from here on Titbird. Titbird. Um, yeah. You tit. Wizard titbird. Um, yeah, he sucks. He does. I, it's very, the, the vulture people in this are very dark crystal. Yeah. Uh, and not, but not like in a wee Jim Henson kind of way, more in a, ugh, these fucking guys. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mm, Nighthawk shows up uh, at the battle and just straight up murders some dudes, some ladies, um, with his laser shoulders. Look, man, the new costume sucks. I don't care. I wasn't real on board with you a lot of the time, Nighthawk, and now, now you get to go spend the rest of this week whining about it. Um, and we have to check in on Kyle whining more um anyway yeah yeah they they yeah. managed to bring down all of the femme lady the lady legion what are these 
I don't remember the Femme Force. Is this Femme it's Force? Mutant Force and Femme Force who were working for Mandrill. Um, yeah. And like I like I said, I don't understand. So the whole point of Nighthawk, okay, is that when it's night, he has um a he has a um he has increased strength, dexterity, yada yada yada, a whole bunch of D and D attributes, uh, and but he can also see in the fucking dark. That's kind of one of his only actual powers. <laughs> and they're and so they're just like, yeah, this new costume has night vision, and at no point is anyone ever just like, why? Um. This new costume has night vision. I didn't ask you that. Oh. Yeah. Shit, I just threw it in. It's part of the air conditioning package. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I could understand if you were just like, well, sometimes you're going to be in the sewers during the day. But say that. Yeah. Don't just be like, your new costume has night vision. Can't you see in the dark? Yes, but, like, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Yes, but, shut up. I want it. All right, man, go for it. Whatever. He's rich and he just has, like, I I feel like that's the kind of thing that, like, he's really just rich and so he's going for all the options whether he needs them or not. Like, it's just like, why why do you need seat warmers? I'm, I don't know. You live in California, dude. Yeah, but yeah. it's there and it's extra and I get to say I have it. Anyway. Why did you put... Why did you put nitric oxide on your Lambo? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. F- fucking rich. Just. Kyle Richmond is getting eaten. That's yes. all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, when it, when, it, when it comes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Defenders number 81 uh, has a cover by Rich. Buckler, I do. I do want to say real quick. There was a, there was I think a some more news where Cody Johnston was talking about uh, the whole eat the rich thing. Yeah, and he's like, no one is saying they want to eat <laughs> other people. It's like it's like if you were to break in to the to the gold horde of the dragon smog, okay. <laughs> You kill smog, and then you have all this gold, and you're also just like, well, we have all this dragon meat, better not let that go to waste. It's kind of the same thing with Jeff Bezos and Kyle Richmond. It's like, you're not out to eat them necessarily, but they're there. Anyway. Defenders number 81 has a cover by Rich Buckler, Al Milgram, and George Russos, inked by Jack Abel, colored by Ben Sean, and lettered by Joe Rosen. The original Defenders sneak into Ogion, but the Hulk is captured. Uh, Nighthawk gets arrested by the FBI for disobeying a court order. Uh, I don't care about any of this. I just wanted to, I want the Tunnel World stuff to be over. I do not care about Eroika and his slave race. Uh, you know, I am. That is not to say that I am pro-slavery. Uh, just that, like, 
There is nothing about Eroika's race that makes me particularly concerned about them specifically escaping slavery. Yeah. It is it is purely an anti-slavery stance, not oh no, Eroika. Like if no. he took a spear to the face, <laughs> I wouldn't be bothered. Um but. Yeah, meanwhile on Earth, uh Patsy and Val manage to annoy the hell out of Kyle until he's arrested. Oh, and then we go back to Tunnel World. Oh, there's so much Tunnel World. Yeah. Yep. yep. It sucks. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, they start a riot. Uh, the Wingheads start a riot, and uh, they're going to tear down the, the, tyrant, the tyrants. And... Um, it's it just sucks and titty guy has this whole thing going on where yeah, he's, he's like, just like yes it's all part of the plan because in order to with their prophecies you have to make them think that they're coming true so that it'll be that much worse when you kill them all and it's just like dude shut the fuck up like so i don't just, buy you meant for any of this to happen no 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 this is very telling me how you planned all of this after oh we definitely i have had enough of that for the last five years thank you yeah telling me how you definitely meant for this to happen it's like fuck you this, you no 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 we're no. we're already tired of this and mr sinister hasn't even been introduced yet yes. like that does not yes. bode well right um so and he's got zathu zu zush zush uh, zooks I, I don't know yeah zooks i'm gonna call him zooks He's got Zooks here is a fluffy wizard with three arms that we met before um, and he's in a cage and something called the Orb of Omemedon. That's not it. I don't Omemanon. care. Omemedon. And uh, he's going to use it to stop the unnameable, I guess. Well, so supposedly this orb has... Uh, the ability to stop the unnameable one. Uh, and so Titty Guy is trying to find a way to destroy it. And he's using all of the mystical means at his disposal and nothing is doing it. So he gets angry and throws a goblet at it, which smashes it. And that's annoying. Um, but I can't. I honestly can't even bring my... Even before I found this out, I didn't care. But especially because next issue, Doctor Strange literally just puts it back together. Mm-hmm. And then things proceed as as planned. And it's just like, so this accomplished nothing whatsoever. Cool. Um, but, yeah. So, Defenders number 82... Um, has a cover by Rich Buckler and Al Milgram, penciled by Don Perlin, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Glynis Ween, and lettered by John Costanza. Uh, Hulk fights his allies, but Strange is able to trap Hulk in the shards of Zooks's orb of a Memnon. Uh, Titty Guy kills Zooks, uh, but then is knocked unconscious, and everybody's like, yay, that was a thing that happened. I don't care that Zooks is dead. I 
on the one hand, I'm happy because it means I don't have to try to parse what the fuck he's saying at any time because he has this annoying backwards way of talking that's yeah. like Yoda but shittier. Yeah. So that's annoying in and of itself. Um, but add to that, like, it's just whatever. Like, I've given... I've Literally, the only reason I could be bothered to care that Zooks is dead is because Doctor Strange cares. Like, Doctor Strange is shook by Zooks's death. But I'm not. And, yeah. like... Doctor Strange being like, oh no, is not enough for me to care. Um, I'm happier now that he's gone. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Maybe, again, maybe if he'd been created by Jim Henson. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. Yeah, this is all, now that you mention it, this is all supposed to be a what if we put Marvel in a Jim Henson terror factory and it's not working yeah uh it's bad and i hate it and i want it to be over fortunately almost (laughs) um, uh defenders number 83 um or did i say 83 yes yes 83 uh, has a cover by Rich Buckler, Joe Rubenstein, George Russos, and Irving Watanabe, and is colored by Bob Sharon. The Defenders travel into the org of Amemnon and face the Unnameable, who uses Hulk's psyche to batter and batter them around. But then Strange is able to uh, basically lobotomize the part of uh, Hulk's brain where the unnameable is manifesting itself thus trapping it and also removing his name from the memories of everyone else because like titty guy at the end of this doesn't remember his name either so you know why not it's magic let's just roll with it uh but then they're in like the the far reaches of tunnel world where like tunnel world ends and past that is just a black void uh so you know stupid fucking world you got there uh but titty guy is so distraught that he winds up jumping into the void and they're just like hmm huh. oh well <laughs> uh, and it's done yeah, and like, we're, at the end of this, we're not sure if Hulk's going to be the same. <laughs> but yeah. then literally an issue later, it's just like, Hulk's fine. <laughs> so, like, ultimately, I'm just glad this is over. Hooray! <sighs> like I said, all of this stuff and the stuff with Lunatic and Dollar Bill and so on, like... Just make it stop. Just <laughs> make it stop. Anyway, uh, that brings us to Marvel 2-in-1, number 61, uh, which has a cover by George Perez and Terry Austin, 
and is written by Mark Grunewald, penciled by Jerry Bingham, uh, inked by Gene Day, colored by Ben Sean, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Jim Salakrep. Uh Ben's date with Alicia is interrupted by the return of Paragon, who is now a woman and is looking to mate with Adam Warlock. Um, over the course of this, she comes to be called her, uh, but right now she's nameless. Uh, but she abducts Alicia because she senses like residual energy from Adam Warlock. Um, while they're off talking about what her is trying to accomplish, uh, Moondragon finds the two of them and accompanies them, which just is going to make the whole situation better because yeah. Moondragon at this point improves everything she's uh -huh. in. Yep. Yeah. Every situation is less volatile because Moondragon is there. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Ben's search for help draws the attention of Starhawk, but the two are unable to stop the women from heading to Counter-Earth to find Adam Warlock. Um, Moondragon at this point in time, like, I understand her initially being um, really up her own ass because mm -hmm. she was raised to think she might be the Celestial Madonna. Mm -hmm. I can even understand why uh, not being the Celestial Madonna has yet do or doesn't really affect her shell of smug self-involvement. Mm -hmm. But man, she needs to get the fuck over herself. Well, and I think that's half of what this story is about. Yeah. Is the beginnings of her... That's the most interesting parts of this story to me, is um, the moon dragon being like, I'm going to show this... I'm going to show this lady what's go what's up, and she'll have to respect me by the end of this, or by the time we're done here, and at every failing. turn... <laughs> yeah, failing at every turn... Every time she's like, okay, I'm going to go kick this guy's ass without even using force and, or my mind powers. And it's like, no, just kick their ass. She doesn't give a shit about anything that you do. Yeah. You, you're not gaining. She is not going to notice you. Like, um, so just get over it. And yeah. by the end of it, she's kind of like, maybe I need to rethink. It isn't even by the Everything. end. It's, a, it's in the middle of one of the fights. She's she finally comes to being like, it's a passing line. That's just uh, maybe I need to rethink what being a goddess in the universe means. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, considering you base your entire identity on it, you might want to figure out what that word means to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can mean you. Uh, that's fine. But, like, you you don't get to automatically kick the crap out of anything that wa that's walking, right? Like, that's that's the other part. Also, damn it, Moondragon, quit just pulling shit from people's minds. Like, mm. that's rude. Yeah. It is. She doesn't give a shit. She's a goddess. No. She's, yeah... Because yeah. she does that right when she shows up at the park with 
her and Alicia and she's like, no, 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 I already know. I pulled it from your head. And uh, Alicia's, Alicia's like, you can do that? Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Marvel 2-in-1 number 62 has a cover by George Perez, Joe Sinnott, and Gaspar Saladino. Colored by George Russos, edited by Jim Salakrup and Bob Budiansky. Um, arriving at Counter-Earth's location, our trio of women find it gone, and they find the uh, moon, which has served as high, the High Evolutionary's base, in which he is lying there dead. Uh, once they make this discovery, Ben and Starhawk arrive. Her is... Our Moon Dragon senses that High Evolutionary is now ascended to a higher level of being again. Uh, and so her uses her abilities to reunite the body and mind of the High Evolutionary. Um, they stand around talking about what happened. What? When he gets re reintegrated into his body, his first words are something... The, let me find it. Because his first words are something the effect of it was ki getting kind of old. Being <laughs> a... A... Uh, a um, Bodiless uh, consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I am grateful for your... For, to you for my revival I thought I had lost my corporeal form for good this time you can't imagine how boring being a disembodied intelligence can be to which I reply fuck you that's exactly <laughs> what you wanted yeah you, you, even in the story you're about to tell <coughs> excuse me in the story you're about to tell you died ascended to a higher plane of existence and then proceeded to not care about anything else that was happening because you were getting what you wanted you absolute egomaniac it's yeah. like i don't I, the the high evolutionary has never been more hilarious to me than in this this story because this is pulls, kind of a variation oh. on the whole that's what I wanted the whole time. <laughs> it's, or it's the reverse, where he's like, I didn't want any of this. Ha <laughs> ha! Like, things are going great. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, then we get a whole lot of... His, his current situation is because Adam Warlock blasted the shit out of him before he died, and yada yada yada. Like, it's a whole... There's a lot of exposition dumps in these issues because not only uh, not only are we trying to close out some plot threads like about what all was going on with Warlock before he died, but also we're trying to just sort of tell a few stories about like Moondragon starting to get over herself and Starhawk just kind of being there. Well, and then whatever I, they they finally did something interesting with Alita and Starhawk for me, which is in this fight, in the middle of it, Starhawk is like, "Oh shit!" and starts the change into yeah. Alita, who then goes, "Fuck this!" and like goes full ham on Moon Dragon and is kicking the ever living sh or no out of on her, and is kicking the ever living 
crap out of each other, right? And well, I and, was I, like, and they even say at one point um, that Alita is the much more aggressive of the two, and I'm like, okay, that tracks. I just I don't know why I never put that together. Mainly because she's never had anything to do, right? Right. But like now that that the, she pops out and just goes full Hulk mode on her, and it's like hell yes, <laughs> that's rad. I didn't know you were in there. Bring more of that, please. Also, stick around a little longer. Oh. Fuck. Well, and the thing the it's interesting because her never really pays any attention to Star- Starhawk prior yeah. to this. Right. Like she's just like whatever. Get away from me, you, <laughs> you worthless dick. You and, aren't Adam Warlock, get out of my way. Yeah. But then he changes into Alita and her is just like, "Oh. Well, maybe you're not completely worthless." <laughs> like yeah. But uh yeah. So, finally, uh, in this storyline, we have Marvel 2-in-1 number 63, which has a cover by George Perez and Terry Austin and is colored by Roger Slifer. Uh, The group tracks down the aliens that have stolen Counter-Earth and initially attacks, but eventually they're able to stop and long enough to find out what's actually happening. Uh, and the aliens explain that they're just like workmen who have been hired by a race called the Beyonders. Yes. Uh, they able, they are able to work out a deal by which her and the rest are able to pop down to counter earth long enough to revive Adam Warlock. But once they get there, her attempts to only to discover that his soul is nowhere to be found. As we know, his soul is uh, in the Soul Stone, which is currently in the hands of the gardener. But she, unlike with the High Evolutionary, she cannot find him out in the ether. So she's not able to revive him. And she takes off into the universe to figure out her shit. So, Uh, yeah. I, (laughs) yeah, and like I said, back, back up on the movers uh one of the movers headships the high evolutionary is basically like you stole my planet like he goes full nut bar like you stole my planet i'm gonna fucking kill you and then as soon as he gets them to calm down a little uh or as soon as the movers get them to calm down a little they're like "No, no 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 we just we're just doing our job we just got paid to do this you weren't anywhere around when we stole your planet we thought you were dead. Uh, we're taking it to the Beyonders. They have all this crazy power. And High Evolutionary is like, wait a minute, power you say? Huh. Now I seem to be intrigued. And everyone around is just like, then what the fuck are we doing here, man? Ugh, whatever. Well, it's it's funny because like everybody else is just like, so we're saving Counter-Earth, right? And High Evolutionary is like, well, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's stop and think about this for a minute, because on the one hand, they're taking my planet, which, yeah, I was mad about. On the other hand, a race of incredibly powerful people from beyond our universe? Hmm. That could be, uh, that could bear checking out. And it's interesting. So this is the first mention of the Beyonders. Um... 
we are going to get a whole lot of Beyonders as time passes. First in Secret Wars, but eventually, like, the 2015 Secret Wars with all of the multiversal stuff and all of that in the incursions, that's all Beyonders too. So, yeah, this is the first time we get even an inkling of them. The next time one shows up will be the original Secret Wars, and I have a lot to say. Um, not only because, again, as we were discussing, it is an opportunity for me to spurg the fuck out about the toy industry, but also because Secret Wars is sort of the Ur example of the comic book event, uh, which carries with it a lot, a lot of baggage. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to getting to talk about that. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to be. It's going to be a minute. Yeah. But, because uh, <laughs> I thought that was 1982. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're right. still in 7980. Yeah, we're right on that line now. Yeah, so. Uh, oh, well. But. Uh, like I said, we get a we get a lot of. It turns out that these mover guys are behind a lot of what happened to Adam Warlock toward the end of his series. Like they, the whole, uh, the whole Adam having grown too large to exist in the solar system uh, was actually was planned. Them, uh, like a lot of that stuff was them just messing with him so i don't know <coughs> we'll we'll see anyway um, defenders <laughs> what? well and then the last thing is they all talk or the one guy the one mover guy that can talk or speak in, or english um communicate with them is uh talks like a weird sitcom character yeah and it's kind of annoying but also hilarious it's the right kind Okay, so when we're dealing with warlock stuff, I don't mind this level of, like, weird. Like, yeah. just, that's a strange thing to take into a character that I'm not going to care about. Right. But, okay, alright, fine. Um, I also know when, when we're dealing with a, a warlock-adjacent story, I'm not going to have to have that around for very long. Right. You know, just because right. that's the way the warlock stories move. Um so. Yeah, he's not going to be sticking around long enough for this to get annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's fine for it's fine for now. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs>